This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Of all the Jewish holidays, Pesach is the one that brings families together the most. It is also one of the most effective ways of forging a lasting connection between the younger generations and the Jewish heritage. Pesach starts as Wednesday evening, and is certainly going to be memorable, but in a very different way. Dr. Renelle Duchen is a psychologist, and she joins me now to help us find ways to deal with this. Dr. Duchen, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Good afternoon. Dr. Duchen, Pesach, out of all the holidays, is the one that brings families together, and yet due to circumstances beyond our control, find ourselves, many of us alone. Um, what advice do you have to help us get through what may be a very difficult time? So I think the first thing that comes to mind is maybe that we need to remember ourselves why we're doing this. Um, we're doing this to save lives. We're not doing this because we we can't um, we punished or or anything else. I think if we think back of um, in history, if anybody who found themselves in the middle of some of the greatest calamities in Jewish history, if they've been told that you can save the lives of your family by spending um, the chak separate, uh, they would have grabbed it. They would have run towards it if that is a way of saving lives and saving families' lives. So I think, first of all, we have to remind ourselves that why we're spending it apart. And I think get that perspective um, that it's not some great punishment. It's actually we're doing it because we're trying to save lives, and that's why we're doing it. And if that is all that we have to do um, to save lives, it's 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 hard, but it's it's not that much. Um, then I think that having said that you can't deny that there are real real consequences of um, for people feeling isolated uh, definitely um this 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 um, information coming through from various of my colleagues who are seeing the psychological consequences of people feeling isolated coming through and it's things that one would never have guessed um, would be part of the symptom list you know we know people get depressed we know they get anxious we know there's cognitive decline there's the inclination to substance abuse um, if one's on your own all the time but um, some of the colleagues are some of my colleagues are reporting um, that they've seen quite a number of people who um, are reporting depersonalization, a sense of that you're looking at yourself from the outside. So I think we're only starting to see what the consequences um, are of being alone, um, and I'm not minimizing it by saying that, um, you know, we must see it in perspective that um, that that we only require to spend the hug together. I'm not minimizing by that. They, they are real real ways in which people are affected. When when you asked me to speak about that, I started to think back about um, what people told me about times that they dread. And a typical example would be where you have a parent who is recently divorced and having to drop off the children on a Sunday night and having to come back to an empty house and the dread that they feel. And, I think there's an analogy to that is, you know, the dread that one feels to to be on your own. And the advice that I usually would give parents in that situation, which I think we can extrapolate and we can tie it in with what's happening now with Pesach, if people are really alone, I said to them, you have to have a game plan. You need to plan what you're going to do and how you're going to deal with it. Just to try and wing it and say, oh, it will be okay or, you know, feeling, feeling just, just, 
fall into the feeling of, of the loneliness and the isolation is not useful. You have to have a plan and you have to prepare for it. Unfortunately, with Pesach, there's a lot to prepare for. You know, it's not as if you're going to try and wonder what you have to do to, to prepare. So if one spends it on your own, I think one of the ideas may be that our sense of time is really distorted when we're on our own. So it's important to draft a type of a roster and say, okay, what am I going to do pre-Seder, the day preparing for the Seder? What time do I going to start my Seder? Um, what am I going to, how am I going to do that? Have a real plan that you write out for yourself. How are you going to do it? What am I going to do the next morning? How am I going to do lunch? How am I going to do the afternoon preparation for the next Seder? The second Seder and again morning, afternoon and lunch and set up a little program for yourself because otherwise the time just flies past and you, you at sea, you don't know what you're going to do then and, and start working out for each slot, you know, what you want to, what you want to put into that and how you're going to do it and what you're going to do. So I think that's the first thing is you must have a game plan. You must decide how you're going to do what you're going to do when and prepare for it. Don't Don't just float into it. I think in reality, we don't know what's going to be the hardest and we don't know what's going, you can't predict what's going to be the hardest for you as a person if you've never done this on your own. Um, so that will be the, the surprise in all of it. Um, but I think one of the things that one can think about is what will make it meaningful for yourself. What is it that you can bring to your own state of being on your own? That would have meaning for you. Is it maybe the specific cutlery that you're going to use? Is it that somewhere in your seder you're going to work in something um, that you um, that that will remind you of a good time, um, or that will that will be meaningful for you as a person? You have to try and find something that will make it meaningful for you. So that's for the, you know, that's for the person themselves. We can talk about maybe a bit further about really dealing with these emotions of anxiety and depression and cognitive decline, you know, those type of things, um, what one can do. Um, the, the one thing is that, you, you know, we have what, what I would just refer in my own language as loop thinking, where we just keep on thinking over and over again about the same things in the same way. And that's also not useful. You know, it's important just to say stop and to get yourself distracted and get going with something else because to, to just think over and over again about the same things in the same way. If you see that, if you notice that, you need to put a stop to that in some way or another. Um, in terms of depression thoughts as well, listen, if it really gets serious, you need to phone for help. You need to get somebody to assist you. But otherwise, if you just generally feel down in your confined circumstances, a bit of activity, structure, structure in your day and, and also finding something nice to do every day and a goal for every day, those are things that can counter that in some way or another. With regard to the cognitive decliners, um, that one needs to find something to keep yourself busy with mentally every day as well. Um, whatever it is that you're interested in and that you like. And then one has to be careful with substances. Um, you know, if you have a vulnerability in that regard, um, it, it, you have to put in strategies in place that, um, you, you don't start 
scratching on on substances in some way or another because that's not going to help that's going to um that's going to increase all the other symptoms in some way or another uh, so those are the ideas just for for the person being on their own um but the reality is we all just need human contact. That's what we need. And for the person themselves, you can connect to other people through your phone or through whatever, you know, whatever means you have available to you. And even if you're a person on your own, you can still think what you can do for somebody else. Um, because surely you also know other people who are on their own or other people who may need you in other ways, not necessarily because they on their, they on their own. Um, you, you know, for, for all the parents, they, they still the parents of their children. Um, they still play a meaningful role in terms of connecting with their own children. Uh, so in that sense, even though you're on your own, it doesn't mean that you can't play a meaningful role in somebody else's life and reach out to them and assist and support them in some way. Um, which brings us really to the other part then, and that is how others can support the person who they know is on their own. And there are just so many ways. I mean, the main thing is the main message is really people need human contact to stay okay. And whether it's through messages, whether it's through children sending little videos, sending songs, sending virtual cards, sending messages that the person, if they have the facility, can print out and have with them at the Seder. I mean, all of those are or just um or just ways in that can that can bring a bit of human contact into a situation that is so isol- where a person so isolated and feel alone. Ronald, that has been such unbelievable good advice. I wish we could speak longer, but unfortunately we can't. But I think those were absolutely brilliant tips to help all of us to help those that are alone. And I just like to say thank you so much for coming on and joining me. Um I'm, I don't have time to take your details now, but uh, I, I do have them if anybody would like to be in contact with Dr. Ronald Duchen, you're welcome to phone me and I'll be happy to give that um those details. Thank you very much.